Well, hello everyone and welcome to GG in the 561. I'm Pam Barker. Thanks for being with me today. You're hearing some noise in the background. It's because Gary's here with me. He is Good such a troublemaker. Afternoon, Pam. You're such a troublemaker. I know it. Oh, I have several things to talk about today and it's just vastly different. I'm talking I'm going to talk about shaming people for wearing white uh, and not about Labor Day. It have anything to do with Labor Day. To talk about cheap wine, don't always buy the cheapest, and there's a reason for that. And I'm talking off of a menu in a restaurant or on an airplane. But first, I want to talk about something going on in Texas that I think you will have a real interest in, Gary, because oh, do tell it brings us to something that terrified me as a child, and you loved. Uh, as a child. According to Texas Monthly, uh, there is a conservation program going on in San Antonio, Texas. They are trying to reintroduce uh, horn, the Texas horned toad, or as it says in quotation marks, the Texas horned lizard is the real name. But many of us have always called it horny toad. And they used to uh, inhabit a majority of Texas landscapes. But since the 60s, they have been disappearing. This rep reptile population has really dwindled. So this program at the San Antonio Zoo is aiming to reverse the trend. And how they're doing that, they're working with private landowners. They're hatching these reptile guys uh, at the zoo. And then they are targeting landowners to uh, to uh, put the lizards on land. And then it's a it's a volunteer event. And much like the sea turtles here that get tagged before they're released, they're tagging them, and they are released under the supervision of this doctor who is the um, director of the conservation at the San Antonio Zoo. I'm going to try to say his name. It's Dr. Andy Glusenkamp. Glusenkamp. It's like glue, G-L-U-E, sen, S-E-N, camp, K-A-M-P, Glusenkamp. So he is overseeing this, and I wanted to bring you in because you had a big hand in helping deplete. Well, now, uh, <laughs> certainly as, as a child uh, growing up in North Texas, uh, we were, my brother and I, always hunting out the horned toads <laughs> uh, because they were a lot of them, and they scurried around and uh, on the yards and the areas around where we lived there in North Texas uh, and elsewhere. But uh, no, 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 we would never deplete them. We no, would. no, I just meant no, not that you did any harm. No, that was no people. I didn't mean that. You did send some out of state, though. Is really well. What we I certainly meant. did. Yes, yeah. we did. Uh, yeah, they were just uh, you know before the age of video games and everything <laughs> that kids are now. Uh, you went outside. Yeah. And you found ways to entertain yourself. Yes, you did. And one of the things that we loved about being in nature uh, was, and then being being boys. Mm -hmm. uh, is that we love seeing these little lizards scurry around and they weren't that hard to catch. You could, you know, they weren't that fast for the most part. You could grab them and, uh, 
and they were so, once they were captured, they were so docile, you could turn them upside down and rub their stomachs. And they would just go into Zen <laughs> uh, and just lay motionless while you rubbed their stomachs. And it was so fascinating to watch. And then occasionally, you know, they have a defensive mechanism where they shoot blood from uh, from around their eyes. They have a, a way to do that, I guess, maybe to trick predators if they're dead or, or blind them or whatever. But uh, occasionally we would get sprayed with a little bit of blood, a little horn toad blood, which is a little icky. But, uh, you know, they're trying to defend themselves. And uh, so we, we had a lot of fun capturing these little horned toads and then let them go. Uh, but, as you said, uh, my grandparents lived in Atlanta and when they come to visit and they would see us with the horned toads and playing with the horned toads, uh, they didn't have anything like that uh, in Atlanta. So, one summer we captured uh, a number of horned toads and when we drove, made our, our yearly trip to visit the grandparents, uh, we took them, took them with us, and and they said, okay, okay, Grandpa, here's your horned toads. And they, of course, didn't exactly know what to do with them, so they put them in the bathtub. Oh, that's funny. And they would scurry around and try to get out. Uh, but eventually, we did let them loose in their backyard. And uh, so I don't know what happened to them, but, you know, they were transported from Texas to Georgia. <laughs> um the breeding season for the Texas horned lizard, they do go into hibernation. Uh, and it is immediately after hibernation is their breeding season, which is mid-April, and it continues until mid-June. And females only do that one time a year. So that also probably contributed to to it. Um, if you are not familiar with what these little creatures look like, they're not large. They're not like, you know, you've got iguanas that are that grow to great, great lengths here. They're small. They're relatively small. Relative, about, about the size of your hand. Mm -hmm. And they can flatten themselves out almost perfectly flat. Uh, and they have, uh, they get their name because they have these little horns mm -hmm. on each side of their eyes. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, uh, in Texas, TCU is the horn frogs, mm -hmm. and uh, if you want to see one, they have that's their mascot. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's you know they they should really reconsider that because they're not a frog; they're a lizard. That's right. So they're, uh, they're the actually they should be the horned lizards. That's... As a as a child, for me, I was terrified of them. Um, I was not. I was more of the put on a show. In the on the front porch as opposed to hunting creatures in the yard but one time I my parents had beautiful landscaping and they had these terraced curbing that went down the on each side of the yard they and it would be like one level and then it dropped down to another level and then another level to get to the street and I loved running on that I would run and you know it was a great thing to run down run up you know all this and one day I was running down that, you know, and I felt something and a, a little horny toad was running along beside me, touching my foot and I lost my <laughs> mind. I started screaming and went crazy and, and you know, my parents thought I was dying and something had happened, but it was just that. But they are, I think, kind of scary to look at because, and I had always heard about the blood 
shooting from their eyes, and that was horrifying. And then they have they do have those little horns, mm-hmm. and um, and then they're to me if you blow them up uh, in a movie, they could be used as a as a monster uh, if you made them if you enlarged. What they yeah, you know. not literally blow them up. Enlarge. <laughs> no. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you think you no would. harm was to these no, horned toads making are, this movie. We're animal lovers, even if I was terrified, I would never hurt anything. Uh, so yeah, they are. They're making a. They're making a comeback. I know in Texas. I know they are in other states, mainly where it's hot, like Arizona. Yeah, they prefer, they like sandy, desert-like conditions mostly. And uh, it was funny because many years later, I actually met a woman who, uh, like like my brother and I, uh, kept horned toads as pets. But she had a a different twist on it, I guess being a girl. She made little clothes for them. Okay, now that's... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was pretty unique. yeah, she made little outfits to put on the horn toads. And did she say how they reacted? <laughs> no, I my mind reeled. I, well, what I was just wondering is, about, did she get the uh, you know the eyeball treatment? Well, <laughs> she may have if they didn't like the clothes. Well, uh, see, and and that's a really good point because at the beginning of this, she said being boys, you and you made it gender specific, and really, that proves. There is nothing that's really gender-specific. No. See, here I am in one part of town being terrified, and and here she, this woman is somewhere as a girl, loving life, dressing up the, the, the lizards, you know? <laughs> I mean, so uh, I would like you to come back uh, if you will. Uh, do you have anything else to add about the horn tail? I think that covers it, yeah. I would like We're... you to come back and join me sometime this week because I do want to talk about these frozen or the unfreezing, the thawing of the ancient uh, Siberian worm. I would like you to Ooh, come back and talk I would about definitely that. be very interested to know more about that. Yes. So thank you for that. And well, thank you for having me. Thank you. And I am going to uh, continue on talking here about white. As we are nearing, this is the last day of July, we will be facing Labor Day pretty soon in September. Um, but the why I bring it up is because one thing that gets very tiresome, there's so much judgment about everything that everyone says, everything does, because everything goes online, and then the comments start. Just over the weekend, in doing research and, and you know finding out about things like the horny toad and the frozen worm and all that kind of stuff, there were two stories about two different women one was Amal Clooney and the other was Mrs. Justin Bieber. And they were both going out to, to have a night in different ways. And they were wearing white. They were wearing white dresses. And they were both very beautiful dresses. Amal Clooney in particular was stunning. And, and the comments that came in from that were all about it being like dressing to be in a wedding, to be the bride. And and I thought, you know, when do we stop jumping on everything that everyone is wearing instead of just saying they looked beautiful, they had to criticize. And it was very critical. These comments weren't, oh, they look like a bride and it's beautiful. It was criticizing them 
for wearing white. White, white is a very fun color to wear. Uh, I wear it. I, I think that there's so much you can do with white. So I, I think the, the judginess really needs to stop. Another thing that needs to stop is the, the weird violence that's our, our attempted violence going on in, at different concerts where people are throwing things, hitting the performers while they're trying to perform for people. It happened over the weekend with Cardi B. She was singing, she got hit with a drink and she retaliated immediately. She th- threw her microphone at the person throwing the drink. We, they need to stop. We need to stop with the cruelty, the meanness, and the violence, and just, we need to find some kindness and, and try to be a nicer nation. Um, I don't know what what is wrong with us, but another question that came up in doing my research, the Wall Street Journal did a, a big piece about America has turned into early birds. Everyone is doing everything at an earlier time of day. In other words, people, instead of going to an 8 o'clock film, they will go to a matinee. They want to go to dinner at the early bird hour instead of a regular dining out hour. It's a whole big trend. And people wondered, I wonder, if it has to do with how we lived during the pandemic where we had to adapt and adjust to everything in our life and we spent a lot of time at home (laughs) we couldn't do anything else did that change everything did it change how we decide to stay home and have coffee instead of going out to have coffee anymore It, it was a very very interesting take and just as interesting were the comments about are we becoming a nation of early birds. Gary and I are not. We stay up late. We we eat late. Um, when you go to Barcelona, you really eat late. Uh, think about Barcelona, though. You can go into a restaurant and you can stay there for hours on end. They're never trying to turn the table. And even though you start dinner late, you just go right on into the night. And it's absolutely fantastic. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a, a continuing trend or not. There's another story about how restaurants are trying to recover. They're still in the recovery mode from from the pandemic. And this is reflected in pricing and in their menu choices. And I'm, I'm gonna talk about that sometime later this week uh, about lazy menu offerings. And so that's, that's to come later, uh, much later in the week. But let's do talk real quickly about wine. There was a whole big story about how you really, when you go to a restaurant, whether you're alone or with friends or just you as a couple or whatever. And it was, the the, the article was interesting to me because I felt like the writer was uh, being judgy, actually telling people kind of what other people are thinking. In other words, it was saying never pick the cheapest wine, even if you're on a budget. The reasoning for that, the sommelier, the waiter, the server, 
your friends that you're with will know what you're up to. They will understand that you are trying to not spend a lot of money, but you don't want to appear to be cheap. But by ordering the second, it was it was like don't order the even the second cheapest wine because everybody's on to you. It was the strangest take on ordering wine. And it, and it was saying the same thing about wine by the glass as well. It's like, you know, just go ahead. And because you don't want to be judged, you don't want the people serving you uh, or dining with you to judge you and know what you're up to. Uh, but it did say, and I do agree with this part, to work with the sommelier, to, to kind of say, I'm, you know, I'm on a budget or however you want to, to however you want to present that, what what is the best value for what I'm looking for, whether it's a, a red or a white or sparkling? Consult with a professional and they will guide you and they will be happy to do that. But again, this goes back to, number one, the writer saying other people are judging you. Are they? Are they? How does, you know, I, I just think that's a huge thing that's going on right now. Assume. We're assuming things. He, The writer was assuming what people were saying, even on an airplane. It's like, you know, and, and by the way, try to drink a, a bold wine uh, because your ears clog up. And it affects your taste. So if you really want to taste your wine, order something bold. I never drank on a plane before. On mm-mm, that is not that's that's not something I ever ever would do. Uh, but if you do, no judgment. <laughs> order something bold. Um, I just think we need to stop judging, and we need to stop. Um, Worrying about what we do. If you're if you're at dinner and you're with people that care about you, are they going to care? They're, are they going to care unless they have to drink the, the the bad cheap wine? Let them order what they want to, order what you can afford. Don't worry about what anybody thinks about you, because it's utterly pointless. I don't. I have my boundaries. I live within those. Um, I try not to be a judgy person myself, but I also, you know, truly don't. I have learned not to worry about what other people think about, about anything. Number one, it's utterly pointless and it's only stressful to you. So order the cheap wine, order the, the bottom wine if you want to. Order what you want to drink because as I've talked about before on podcasts if you do a wine tasting a blind wine wine tasting sometimes you're very very surprised at what people choose the article also brought up a point I thought was was valid why are people why do they in articles about wine never talk about the alcohol content that people drink wine and enjoy the alcohol content, but it's almost like it's taboo to put that in any kind of review about wine or restaurant dining or anything. And I, and I thought, hey, you know what? That's really true. 
it really is never talked about the alcohol content that people consume in wine. So there you go. That's going to do it for me on Monday. I thank you very much for listening in. I always appreciate that. I do have a little saying for you, uh, if I can get to it really quickly, uh, because it's important. And I, this is really simple. Some chapters just have to close without closure. And that is how it is in life. You just have to, you just have to close it and move on. And if people are judging you, close that chapter on them. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. These podcasts always rest on NorthPalmBeachLife.com and 20 other platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora. But they're always on right there, easily found on NorthPalmBeachLife.com. Our YouTube channel by the same name, please visit us there. My books are on Amazon. Don't forget about those. Uh, they're just fun light reads, and I hope you will read them as well as a children's book. I have four novels and a children's book. Go find them. Don't forget to find Gary. He is also on NorthPalmBeachLife.com with his writing, as well as All Things Cruise and Splash Magazine Worldwide, G-E-R-R-Y, but it's pronounced Gary Barker, so look him up. We thank you for being with us, for always coming back and bringing your ears with you. I appreciate it. I'm Pam Barker, GG in the 561. Stay with me.